Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's podcast, The Supernatural. In these dark, cold November nights, it creates a perfect atmosphere to listen to the stories handed down to us by our ancestors about the souls of the departed and their journey to the underworld. All the voices recorded in this podcast you are about to hear have departed from us, but they have left a legacy of stories and memories. And now we start with poet and philosopher John Moriarty and his strong belief in the supernatural and with her ancestors being amongst us. And laying for the beast you must migrate through, you dream in the shade of the carnal tree, but Aquarius walks on the desert towards you, and archangels grow wild at the edge of the sea. <laughs> archangels grown wild at the edge of the sea. I'm not now talking about looking at a clump of reeds like and thinking they're archangels, you know, mistaking them for archangels. Now I'm talking about actual real archangels growing wild at the edge of the sea. That everywhere in nature is supernatural, like the supernatural. All elsewhere are natural and supernatural are where we are. That's a cardinal belief of mine. Like all elsewhere, Tiernanog is right here where we are. Like Tiernanogri, all the elsewhere that the old Celtic heroes ever went to. They're all right here. The other world, Tirnanog, is a way of seeing this world. It isn't a distant world from this, a world distant from this. It's a way of seeing the world we're already living. Would you describe it as a paralleled world? No, it's actually this exact world we're living, except this world seen in a different way. Seen with new eyes, seen with different eyes. Like So archangels grown wild at the edge of the sea. The story of Oisin going to Tirnanog with Neve Kinor is fascinating. Dr. Eunice McCarthy recalls here one of her ancient stories about the land of Tirnanog. Because he rambled off in this beautiful golden boat and he was there for, we don't know how long, hundreds of thousands of years. And then he comes back again. But he's in this other world and this world was very much described as a world of women. So the other world and the feminine are identified very strongly. So perhaps maybe that says that <laughs> the feminine have quite a bit to offer mm. in terms of helping us towards this integration that we need into the future. But then the yearnings of Ireland were there and he heard the voices calling him back and asking him to come back. And he wanted to go back. So Neve actually realised this was a kind of a fairly difficult journey now would he ever come back again so told him not to dismount from his horse this beautiful magical horse he had so he flew across the ocean again and arrived and of course he arrived in this place where he saw this unusual building which we nowadays would call a church and these elderly men men were you know were lifting a stone and he again the the values of the fianna were very noble honor above all cost and truth fianna 
was the key value. So therefore, he would always help elderly people lifting heavy stones. He bent down, but the stirrup of his horse broke, so he fell off, and suddenly he was transformed into the age that he was, we'll say, hundreds of years older, and he had now met Christianity. But the interesting idea there, of course, is that the concept of he travelled across space and time and he was away for these hundreds of years, and he didn't change. And that's an idea that physicists are talking about today in the idea of space and time fusion. So that if one twin is sent into outer space and the other twin stays on Earth, after a few hundred years, or we'll say 50 years, the twin in outer space comes back and doesn't seem to have aged at all, but the Earth twin would have age. So that idea is there that when you travel in speed and time, there is no age. So it's a very interesting concept, and it was in her ancient story. So if you like, some modern ideas, they seem to have intuited into these ideas and understood them, but we're now only getting the technology to test them out in another way. Many of these stories, John, that they, they, in our myths and legends, they're very, very similar. Oshin coming back after being away for a long span of time and uh, warned not to touch the earth from another world. Yeah, above me, there, beside me in Connemara, like, there was a story about Tumbol Abbey, like about a monk went out one day, you know, and uh, he went out into the field and he lay down under uh, a, a rowan tree, you know, a mountain ash tree there, for I listened to the blackbird and the Lord save us, like, didn't he wake up, you know, and he came back to the, his monastery, you know, and Jesus, he didn't recognise anyone at all, no one recognised him, you know, and he said, he kept protesting, look, I belong here, this is my monastery, you know. And don't you know me? And but he didn't know them. Like, and they asked him who he was, and he said, he. They looked up the records eventually. And Jesus was there a record in three hundred years. Like, and he was gone for three hundred years. According to the story, like he was gone for three hundred years. You know, and I do believe, like, scientists are now talking about a universe of ten or fifteen or even maybe twenty-seven dimensions. You know, not just of three dimensions or four dimensions, but of twenty-seven dimensions. That maybe reality is full of all kinds of dimensions, and that you can slip from one to another dimension, like, and be gone for a long time, and then come back, you know, again, you know. And maybe there are dimensions in which we don't grow old, like Oshin, you know. And you come back and you touch the side of Ireland, and you're three hundred years old. The very heart of the festival of sowing is the breaking down of the barriers between this world and the world of the Tour de Don. It was a very dangerous time of the year because we could be abducted and brought into their world. I went to Glenstall Abbey to meet Dr. Sean O'Ding to explain this. Now, uh, this is often symbolised in a very simple way, but a very traditional way. Um, kids go around and they take the gates off hinges, you know, throw away the gate as a trick. Now, um, the kids don't know why, why they do this. But um, this is not even in Switzerland, because uh, the Celts were in Switzerland, you know. And, um, but it's very symbolic, because it means that supposing your farm is here, and my farm is there, and there's a gate, a closed gate between them. Now, if you take away, and it's, it's quite clear this is your farm, this is mine. But when you take away the gate, 
Your cows can ramble into my farm, my cows can ramble into your farm. We're no longer sure of who is who, do you know what I mean? And it's the very same then with the, at, as this happens at sowing. The Tuile Donnan can ramble into our world and we can be drawn into theirs, abducted. So it's a very dangerous time. Sean O'Duda recalls here the portal from our world to the underworld. Down was the god of the underworld, and it is said that he controlled a passage into the underworld in Belly Quinn. There is the remains of an old graveyard in Belly Quinn, which is completely covered by sand hills. And they say that it was there the entrance controlled by Downward, who was God of the Underworld. Sean O'Duda lived on the foothills of Connor Pass. He collected folklore all his life. And the knowledge and depth that people had of uh, handed on stories. And he recalled a story here about St. Brandon and his voyage and building his boat with the uh, enchanted timber from uh, a local wood. Um, he also talked about the... Uh, uh, the knowledge that the people had before uh, the uh, Christians arrived in Ireland and how that they had magical ways of travelling. When uh, St. Brendan, it is said, wanted timber to build his boats for his travels across the seas, St. Ita told him that he's helped to build the boats from an oak wood in Dernamikia because in the pagan legends it was there they got the wood for their boats and to get people to believe in uh, his ability to launch boats the same as the pagan and beat them in their travels so when he went the, it was an enchanted uh, wood and he used the wood then for building his boats for for his voyage to America. I think that's huge. It's called the voyage. Now the voyage can be the outer voyage, like we say, Saint Brandon went out to the Atlantic to on sense of adventure to another world. Doctor Eunice McCarty. However, the other world, the other voyage in the ancient system was to the inner world. You went into what Jung would call the unconscious to discover. But the other world was actually described as the place, too, where the fairies lived under the mounds. And the other world was very much seen as a feminine world. And the goddess, as it were, reigned there. Mm. The, the, the goddess of sovereignty also owned the land in Ireland and reigned in this other world. And we have fabulous stories about Fiona Cool in the Fianna, in Octra Fianna, the adventures of the Fianna, how they'd ramble out one day and the next thing they're transformed. They're crossing a river and they're very well grounded. But you, you know they're in this other world. They're in the world of the she and they're transformed in this world. And, of course, Fionn's wife was a woman of the other world. So she came back with him, you know, and this mm. is so the legend goes. There was a neighbour of ours. She was an old widow woman. 
Dan Cronin lived on the foothills of the Paps Mountains in North Cork, and he recalls here a fairy pathway leading to the underworld. And she'd come rambling to her house, and to go home at night, she'd have to walk along the edge of the river on a narrow pathway three feet high and about four feet over the riverbed. And when, if it were late, he'd convey her past that fairy, she'd fall off, she were old. But they said she was with the fairies. And she often said to him, when they'd be going towards this path, move sideways, move sideways, let him pass. And he continues with another story about a young woman being abducted and brought to that other world. And I heard of a girl that was going through the same inch, walking of a summer's day with a, a silk scarf around her neck. And a she a fairy wind, came and it took the scarf from around her neck. She was a beautiful, blonde, healthy girl. She went home, fell ill. She was better in a week. And do you put that down to I put that fairies? down to the, 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 the underneath the world, the second world. Yes, actually, I was very interested in Celtic mythology. Dr. Eunice McCarthy. And when he began to develop himself, he went back through the writings in that he didn't know old Irish or Irish but he took the translations but he was very much influenced by that and he began to be very intrigued by concepts of the other world because as I said there was the visible and the invisible mm-hmm. and the invisible was the other world and again so he, he wrote beautifully about that and I think the fabulous poem The Stolen Child captures that so The Stolen Child Yeats 1962 Where the wave of moonlight glosses the deep grey sands with light. Far off by furtherest rosses, we footed all the night, weaving olden dances, mingling hands and mingling glances, till the moon has taken flight. To and fro we leap and chase the frothy bubbles, while the world is full of troubles and is anxious in its sleep. Come away, O human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Oh, it's beautiful. That is magnificent. And it also captures what a very famous Celtic scholar in Harvard, Tommaso Kozik, says, that the other world had many meanings, and it meant she, fairy, but it also meant peace. And when Yeats talks about taking the stolen child off to this other world. He calls it a world of peace. Even if it was a wild world, it was a world of peace. She was an old woman, and she used to turn herself, she was a witch, and she turned herself into a hare. The season of the witch is associated with this time of the year, and there were stories told around the countryside about a witch transforming herself into a hare. Nancy Flynn from Air Court in East Galway told me this story. And she used to go out and suck the cows. How do you mean suck the cows now? She used to suck the tits like, like the hair, like a calf. And <clears throat> the farmer went out anyway, and he had the dogs, and didn't he see the hair sucking the cow? And of course she took after the hair, and they went around and around and around and around, and he couldn't get the hair. 
But he went into that this, the house like that she was out of. And her legs was all tore, they were all bleeding and everything. And um, Mickey, she said that was a great hunt. Mm. Say it was the truth. Now, because he wouldn't tell a lie. And it was my father's brother. And who was the witch? Who was the woman? She was in Molly Shusham, we used to call her. I don't know what was her name. She lived down in, down a couple of, um, a small bit down from us. So, uh, well, I never seen the woman now. I never, she was gone, I'd say, before my time. But she was able to turn herself into she a hair. into a hair and suck the cows. And the dog followed her and was out all day. She was all, her legs was all tore from briars, going through briars and everything. And when he went in, she was seen over the fire. Oh, that was a great hunt, she says. Sean McNamara from Brough in North Limerick studied this phenomenon of the ability to transform oneself into an animal. A shapeshifter is somebody that tra- changes, or you can do as a horse. You, you can change. Something gets a power animal. The Native American Indians have power animals. In actual fact, they travel as a wolf. They travel, you know? Mm. It, first of all, psychologically, it, they never get tired because... They're travelling as a wolf. But in order to do that, you must study you study the animal you're going to imitate. Every gait, every moment, and become that animal. So when you travel when you travel along the fields as a hare, let's take a hare. It's not a hare, but you're only seeing the thought of a hare. She's creating an illusion that's it, it, it's uh, uh, that when you see it, it's like the Indian rope trick. You've heard about the Indian rope trick. Well, the Indian rope trick in India, this um, faker, not a faker, but a faker who studies this, he creates a rope going up and a young boy going up the rope. And all the tourists, the American tourists there, and he sets fire to the rope and the boy is above and the rope burns and the people say, where's the boy? In actual fact, there was never a boy, there was a thought of a boy. So when you, the only thing they find out, they take a camera, but there is no rope, there's no buy. He have created this illusion, but he has spent years and years concentrating his mind on that rope. Joan Grogan. Joan was my great-grandmother. Was she? Joan Grogan was a witch in North Kerry in the 19th century, and here Sean Histon talks about after she was uh, quite young and she travelled into a ring fort or a fairy fort, um, she something very strange happened. And when she came out the other side, she had the power to heal and cure. She was a good-looking woman, and her youth, she went to Thray one night from her own house, and there was a huge fort there, and she went into the fort, and from there, she was good living type, and from there, she went into it from here without no knowledge. She came out of it with a lot of knowledge out of the fort. <laughs> so something happened in something the fort? Something happened in the fort, yeah. She had great cures. Great cures, animal cures, and people as well. She also possessed this power of being able to transmit messages through her mind. And the ability to foretell if something bad was going to happen. She was, one particular day, my mother said, she was doing something. And brainwave in a second, 
the man in Shanagolden. Yes. And there was a fellow with a, a horse and sidecar. You know the sidecar, do you? Oh, yes, yes. Well, she got him to take her down to Shanagolden, the man. The bull was bad. She killed the bull. Mm-hmm. And she knew in her mind, she knew that, her mind that there was, there was something yeah, wrong that with that the bull. Yeah, with the bull. Yeah, she had a premonition. In she was supposed to have had the same powers as Biddy Early. Mutant, we go to meet Biddy. Mutant, we go to, 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 to meet her. Brainwave, a brainwave. There was a fellow by the oh, name You mean that they, they connected uh, through they their connected own minds? Through their own minds, yeah. But yes. they didn't actually physically travel to mm, one another. They did. Oh, did they? they yes, did. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, know did Biddy ever come up to Joan, but Joan was go down to Biddy. She go down and she would go across to Biddy early. Over and clear. So, yeah. Over and clear. To find out more about Biddy early, I visited the Crow family in Ennis Diamond and I asked Jim O'Crow, how did Biddy early get her powers? What I heard about her was anyway, that she was, she, I think she was an orphan girl and she was working for a farmer and she... Uh, very badly treated and she got very sick so she was going to die and this woman came to her in the middle of the night and she said she wasn't going to die and she gave her this gift both witches Joan Grogan and Betty Early had similar powers two people in a horse and cycle left here there was a woman very sick and they went down to the horse and cycle and there was a little I don't know the place but there was a little bit of an avenue went up to the house I heard and they pulled up at the end of the avenue and she came out in the door, she said, She's just dead, says she. Why did you come yesterday? I could do something. And Jim O'Crow continues with a story here about Biddy Early and the local parish priest having a great row, and Biddy Early putting a spell on him. Herself and the priest had an awful row. He went into the house and he gave her awful crying out, so she, he arsed and sadly had. But he went back, he wouldn't go away, and he came to a stream of water, and the horse stuck to the road. He had to go back for her, and she freed the horse. But that is true. But she never did any harm to anybody, though. Yeah. No. Returning again to Sean Histon to hear a very similar story about the local parish priest having a row with Joan Grogan, and the outcome of that. She was very much feared and respected, the other way it was. Father, Father Hearn was coming up one evening from Dubois, and that would be his journey on. But she said at one time they had a, a, they had a terrible battle at one time, and she said, mind yourself, don't curse me at all. Be aware, she said, of yourself and your horse. And be aware of yourself, she said, on our road. We were that road, she said. On, on, on the horseback. On the horseback, yes. Yeah. He was at the funeral in Dua. And coming up the road, there above the cross, fell off of the horse and did him. My goodness. Mm-hmm. He met his way at Another supernatural visitor from the other world was the Banshee. And to find out the reason why the Banshee would visit our world and for what reason, 
I went to Dr. Schoenerding to find out. Well, they can appear as humans uh, when they like. And a very good example, for instance, is the one we're fairly familiar with, the Banshee. The, the, the Banshee is uh, one of the two they've done. Uh, or the AS she um, the people are called AS she uh, the people of the she is the sacred hill the hollow hills so the banshee then is the woman of the sacred hill she is a supernatural woman now um, wh- whenever she likes she can make herself visible um, especially in the case of a funeral of one of, or before the funeral, the, the death of an aristocratic family. Um, people like the O'Briens, for instance, the Banshee Evil of County Clare, Evil and Cargillaire, um, she will cry, lament, when one of the O'Briens dies, because they were the kingly family of... Um, all this area, you know. And um, in Cork, for instance, Cleaner. Cleaner is a favourite banshee in Cork. And she would, uh, she would, um, the O'Keeves. Cleaner is the banshee of the O'Keeves. And so she cries when, um, when O'Keeves dies, because they were the kings of North Cork. You know, from Fermoy uh, over to Quilney Creeve. Yes, it was um, about the night that Danjo's mother died. And from Norcork, Peggy O'Keefe had the experience of hearing the banshee come and knock at the door. Um, earlier that evening, I heard a knock at the door. I went to the door, but there wasn't anybody there. Then we had tea and I got the children ready for bed and said our rosary. And um, we went back upstairs to put them to bed. And our eldest girl, Catherine, ran in to see her grandmother before she'd go to bed. And uh, she came out and she said, Mammy, Mammy, there's something wrong with Nana. So I went in and Nana was dead. Um, after that, we contacted the cousins and all the relations and the neighbours came and we got ready for the wake. And um, around two o'clock that night, I was uh, coming downstairs and I heard Danjo's cousin saying that at 8.30 they were sitting by their fire in Ratmore in their home and um, there was a knock at his front door he went to the door no there wasn't anybody there so um, later uh, somebody came to tell him that his aunt was dead so that um, when I heard this I said oh my goodness I heard the same knock possibly at the same time On a cold winter's night, I travelled to a remote cottage high in the hills of West Limerick near Mount Collins to visit Dennis Broderick. We sat around an open heart with a burning fire and there he told me a story that his grandmother 
had passed on to him. The baby of the house cried during the night anyway and the child's mother told the servant girl to get up and to warm a saucepan of milk or a pony of milk that's what I was called the yeah. the little tin and she done what she was told she got the milk and she started warming it in front of the open fire she pulled out the red seed and was warming the milk and there had a little glare of light come out of a pretty temple that lit up on the fire and she saw the, the legs of the little hanging down by the side of the hob and she looked up and there was a little man sitting with the same kind of clothes on him and bonnet and all and where was this this little man was sitting on the the, the hob was he uh, that, that, that was like there now beside yeah, your fire that, the same right. the same idea same idea he he did he didn't do anything it was not there where he was sitting but his presence frightened the life out of the, the girl she ran from the room and went inside into the bed where the, the married couple were the owners of the house and it rushed us at that time he was never again seen that was supposed to be a kind of a a haunted area down there. Maybe you heard it. No, 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 I didn't hear it. Uh, was there a ring fort nearby? You oh, there saying? was. Yeah. There was indeed. We lived in a magical world with the Druids before Christianity arrived on these islands. And yeah, and I believe that, that I believe, I mean, you see, they, they wouldn't use the word magic. The word magic is a totally debased word, like they had driacht. Uh, you could D R U I D H E A C H T. That's how I'd spell it. Not D R A for the O I C H T, as in Dri D R U I D H as in Druid, like. And they believed that there was a Driacht in things. Poet and philosopher John Moriarty. In the web of the world that we are now sitting in, to me, there's a kind of magic in it. And things happen not by just purely physical means. Things happen by kind of magical means as well. In other words, not by any physical cause giving rise to a physical effect. The universe, to me, isn't just a system of physical causes that gives rise to physical if, if, if physical effects. Like There's there's driacht in the universe. And I believe that some people can sink down and be at one with that driacht that is in the universe. And they are then drees, they are then druids. Like They can do strange things, like, you know... And so there's magic in the web of it, except I wouldn't use the word magic, I would use the word driacht. Many centuries ago, there was a shipwreck off the west coast of Clare, and the salvage from that ship had a magical book in the contents, and that survived down through the years. And to find out more about this magical book, I visited Jack Kilhuri, who lived in uh, Liscanner in West Clare to find out exactly what were the powers that this book had. This man had a black book. A black book. Yeah. And he could do anything he liked with this black book. 
He had a man from Fisher Street this day, two days as a matter of fact, making coxie hair. The name of the man was Cuckoo, <laughs> or Blind it did. So, the, when they finished the hair the second day, they came in and they ate something, they ate something on the table. They, they got cooked, they did a little bit of cooking. Would you like to see a bit of fun now, Sissy? To the man he had seen in the hair. I would be all right, Sissy. He went over in the room of whatever he did with the book. He put two cocks of hair dancing around the floor. Two cocks of hair, as a matter of fact, dancing around the floor. Oh, let me be gone, said Cuckoo. Oh, let me be gone, Sissy. <laughs> so he went over in the room and he stopped it. And the owner of this black book had a labouring man working with him. And when he paid him his wages, he warned him not to spend it foolishly and to give the money to his wife as soon as he got back. Well, I'd like to finish my story for you. He gave him two half-crowns, then a half-crown a day, so it was great money in them days. Whatever you'll do now is to say to him, don't go into Stephen Cantona's public house in your passing down, sissy. Give that to your wife, sissy, when you go home. I won't go in, sissy. And I showed the same man he couldn't pass a public house without going in. When he went in, he called a pint of Guinness. And he put his hand in his pocket to paper the pint. And you'd never guess what he pulled up. It's two coppers, <laughs> two pennies. In, pla- in place of the, half, the two half-crowns. <laughs> oh, the curse of this and the curse of that, so say, down in you, so say. <laughs> what will I do, so say, this demon can't and I have no money, so say. That's all the, the horse and gimme, so say, after I spend my two days working for him. <laughs> What's the steam? <laughs> take it back, so say, I can't pay for it. I won't take it back, so steam continent, so say. You'll pay some time for it, so say. Oh, God Almighty, sissy. He was thinking he'd leave something when he walked out the door very brunoch. Having nothing to give his wife when he went in home. He went in home to his wife and told her. When he put his hand down in his pocket, the two half-crowns came up. Did <laughs> The two pennies that, tur- that he pulled up with Stephen Considence turned into two half-crowns. Oh, the- that's a right true story. An old house in a Timon in East Galway was noted for strange sightings of spirits who had once lived in the house. And Valerie Barry spoke to me about her experience of seeing these people. Well, I, I never believed in ghosts. Um, none of us ever had. Uh, but when we first went there, people kept saying to us very carefully, um, are you happy? Do do you um, are, are you quite happy? And are you is all well? And we thought this very odd. And then we began to hear tales, not to do with our house, but a house, a farmer's house not far away, about a grey lady. And then the grey lady started visiting us. But it this and others too. Um, but. It began with one day I was, after we were soon there, 
I was making dinner, waiting for Brian to come back from the university. I was making dinner, and I thought, oh, there's somebody in the room. And I sort of turned slowly to look over my shoulder, and there was a woman with a grey hair scraped right back and a blue and white dress with a white apron, and she was smiling at me and watching me over the stove. And the, uh, we'd got a big double electric stove set into where the old, where the the old, old fireplace, used, fireplace to be. Yeah. used to be. And she was watching me with so much amusement and pleasure. And then she was gone, just like that, just like turning off a, a, um, a camera. And um, I didn't say anything to anybody. And then not, not so long after that, I was out gardening, and again I thought, oh, somebody here. And I turned around. There was a little priest, and um, he was watching me while I was gardening, and he was smiling and obviously so pleased, and then gone. I could see all his priestly things. So I said to the woman who helped me, I said, you know, do you, what did, because the, it had been a dower house originally, and then it passed to the church. And I said, "Do you, was there ever a priest died in this house? And she said, oh, no, I don't think so, oh, no, no. And then she said, oh, yes, little father so-and-so. And I said, well, what was he like? Oh, he was a little, very smiley man. Ah, the poor man, she said. He was always trying to make a garden, just where you're making that garden now. She said he used to dry, try and grow a few lettuce and cabbages, but the cows were always coming in and eating them. But um, that was just me. Then my elder daughter was always seeing the grey lady. Our younger daughter was always hearing her and hearing the skirts going up and down. My mother, when she came to visit from New Zealand, would say to me in the morning, Oh, I've had visitors. She said, Little girls come. So she must have been in a room, perhaps, that was a... A nursery or something. She said that come when I wake up and they're just standing there looking down at me. To me, the water will always remain richer. There is J.B.S. Haldane, a famous Cambridge scientist, well, famous because he made one statement, and he said, it is my suspicion that the universe isn't only queerer than we suppose, it is queerer than we can suppose. Like Now, belief in banshees, belief in other divine presences in the land or semi-divine presences in the land, all of those, like, I am just acknowledging that the universe is queerer and stranger than we can suppose, not just than we do suppose, than we can no matter, no matter how many nets I throw into the tide, like I can go down to the sea and throw in a net of a certain mesh into the tide and I'll pull it out and say, fish, that's it, that's what's in the sea. Then I throw in another mesh and of a different size, like different mesh size, and I pull out other fish and say, Christ, there's more in the sea than I've got in my first net. And then I go out to the sea and I trawl, and I pull a trawl across the floor of the sea, like, and I pull up and I say, Jesus, that's what's in the thing. Like, then I get a, a, a spill or whatever and I hang it over, you know, and I pull up and there's other things coming up, you know. No matter what net I throw into the ocean, I'll never catch what's in there. I'll never catch the fullness of what's in there. And maybe one day I have to just put my net aside and say, there's no net at all will ever apprehend or catch the fullness of what's in nature and what's in reality like. So to me, like, that is a cardinal belief of mine, J.B.S. Haldane's statement. 
it is my suspicion that the universe isn't only queerer than we suppose, it is queerer than we can suppose. And by queer he meant like beyond any beyond any net we can throw into it, beyond any net of intelligence or senses that we can that we can seek to apprehend it with. Like it'll be always beyond anything we can seek to apprehend it with. Well, we've come to the end of this week's podcast, The Supernatural. If you enjoyed listening to the sound clips uh, in this week's podcast, you can access the full interviews by going to our website, that's irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe, and I look forward again to your company next week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.